All right, the me I want to be, uh, Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, you know that. Um, but the fruit of the Spirit is uh, what? What is the fruit of the Spirit? Um, you know, balcony, you got to really speak up. I know you're up there. What is it? Thank you so much. They're up there, y'all. Self-control. Now, there are many problems in life that are a result of lack of self-control. Why can't I keep a job? <laughs> Everybody else knows the answer to that question. Why can't I lose weight? Hey, you take in more than you spend. Why can't I get more done? Because you don't get up till noon. Why can't I break a bad habit? Because you don't want to. Why can't I get out of debt? You spend more than you save. But I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the reasons why we have the lack of self-control and how we can experience self-control. Now, people would do about anything to try to gain self-control from pills to therapy to seminars and resolutions and surgery, and I could go on. But here's the first one. The first one is admit your problem. Say that with me. Admit your problem. Admit your problem. James 1.13, let me slow down and read this one, okay? Here it is. Temptation is due to the pull of your own inward desires, which can be enormously attractive. You like that version of that scripture? That's your reason for lack of self-control. First, you admit that you have a problem. We love to deny that we have a problem when we ignore it. We might even say, I don't, I don't have a problem. We rationalize it away. We even say, that's just the way I am. And we blame others. Well, if I'd have had different parents, I wouldn't be this way. Too bad, too late. The devil made me do it. But James says he always had the ability to point a straight finger at people. And he said, we like to take the course of least resistance. And temptation comes from our own inner desires. So I'm responsible. I admit it. I'm specific about it. We may say, hey, my life is out of control. My appetite, my temper, my anger, my words, my drinking, that might be true. And then God says, but you're a follower of me. Let's see if we can't get a little self-control here. So you admit your problem. Are you ready? So here's a quiz. How many know Point number one, man, you are brainiacs. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, all I'm asking is something sticks, just one thought. All right. I'm going to do it through direct preaching. I'm going to raise my voice. I'm going to shut it down and I'm going to humor, but you're going to leave here with something. Here's number two, put the past behind you. Say that with me, put the past behind behind you. So here's the key. If I ask what's point two at the end of this point, this is what it is. All right. Put the past behind you. There, there's that strange misconception 
that uh, keep us from proper self-control. Let me tell you what it is. That, that misconception says, since I failed, I'm a failure. Uh, you might say, well, I tried 15 times, 50 times, and I failed every single time. So as a result of that, I am a failure. That is a lie. That is a misconception. How many of you have had children? All right. And you're glad you did. All right. Children don't automatically learn to walk when they're born. You gotta, you, you know they're going to walk. And what is, about what age is it that a, that a baby learns to walk? What is it? About one year. That's, I asked Dan that in the first service. He said about 12 months. He's a wealth of knowledge. About 12 months. Well, you know what? If you got a 12-month-old child, and here's what I found. Usually little girls walk more quickly than little boys do. It just is the way it is. They just seem to grab hold quicker. And so little mama who's eight-month-old baby said to mama with the 12-month, my, baby, my baby's walking all over the house. Well, how old is your baby? Hey, 10 months, just barely 10 months and walking all over the house. How does that make you feel about that woman and her little baby? You know what you do? You respond. Come here, Junior. Daddy takes Junior and puts him down in the floor and says, Mama, get out there and hold his bottle or his pacifier in front of him. Get a little closer. All right, Junior. You've crawled all over this house. You know every inch of it. Your hands and your knees always get dirty. It's time for you to start walking. Now go ahead to mama. Go ahead. Junior smiles and looks and slobbers. How many know what slobber is? <laughs> yeah. Slobbers. And wow, he just stands there and sits down. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're going to walk, boy. This is the way it is. You better take a step. He stands and stiffens up. You push him a little bit. Mama's going, you, you, know the, you know the routine, don't you? He sets down. Then finally, he takes a step. You say, ooh, everybody celebrates. But we got it going now, Junior. Here he is. Stand him up again. He stands there and he sets down. Oh, no, you're not. You took a step, buddy. You're going to keep at it. Over a period of time, get up, fall down, takes two steps, fall down. That's okay. Takes three steps, fall down. Stands there weaving and rocking and all that goes up. Finally, finally, if Junior could think and talk, he's not an adult. He's a baby. How many get it? He might be thinking, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm never, I'm, I never was meant to be a walker. It's not meant for me to walk. I've fallen so many times. I quit. I quit. Dad, do you understand? I'm through. I don't care what you think, little buddy. You're going to walk. And finally, he does. But let me ask you this question. Do you think any parent in their right mind ever thought he'll never walk? He's so much like your side of the family. <laughs> he'll never walk. He'll never walk. You know what every parent said? Oh, you're going to walk. No matter how many times you fall, you're going to get up. So see, that misconception 
in the supernatural is no matter how many times you fall, here's what God says. I'll keep picking you up. I'll keep standing you up. I'll keep coaching you because just because you've fallen and you've made mistakes does not make you a failure. Somebody say amen. Here's another. Talk back to your feelings. How many of you, how many of you know what it's like to talk back? Come on, I'm going to ask one more time. How many of you, I'm looking in the balcony. How many of you know what it's like to talk back? Well, yeah, some of you hadn't talked back yet today. It's still ahead of you, but it'll happen. You just wait. You got to talk back to your feelings. You have to, you have to challenge your feelings. Our, our culture puts so much emphasis on feelings. Feelings, well, if it feels good, I, I want to do it. I, I like that. And, and if it doesn't feel good, it's not worthwhile. Well, you might say, well, I don't feel like studying or working or getting out of the bed or reading my Bible or washing the car. I just don't feel like it. But you know what? We don't ever have a problem saying, hey, if you don't mind, I'll take another pork chop. If you don't mind, I like another little dish of the mashed potatoes there and, and anoint it with that good gravy, if you don't mind. Let me, let me have some of that. Or put extra cheese on that hamburger. Or, or let, me, let me go down and get me a blizzard at Dairy Queen. You know, my feelings... I, I don't mind doing that. You know why? Because your feelings will be in control of you in the negative unless you decide, no, I'll control my feelings. Well, how does that work? You see, your feelings are unreliable and moods will manipulate you every single day. But there is an answer to that. Titus 2, 11 and 12, for the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and what's the next word? and feelings and to live self-control lives for the grace of God teaches us to say no. So God's grace teaches us to say no. What is the grace? Well, grace is God's power supernaturally to give us an opportunity to do what's right. We function in the supernatural and God helps us control our moods. Number four, I know some of you type A personalities thought when I said number four, oh Lord, he usually does three points. How many points does he have? And you're getting a little anxious just for you. I have a few more. Number four, start believing that you can change. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can change. And you know what some people that are arrogant say, for what? I don't need to change. Nothing wrong with me. I like me the way that I am. Hello? I'm good with me. You got a problem. P-R-I-D-E. Here we go. Heard someone say, they're never going to change. Now let me say to all you young women out there looking for a husband, don't think because they marry you, you're going to change them. Hello? Let me say it again. And sir, young man, don't think because they marry you that she's going to change. If she's going to change, it started before she was five years of age. Well, you just like your mama. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Love your mama-in-law, friend. And then let me give you another advice that I told Tim when he was 
looking around. I said, hey, buddy, before you lock in on a woman, go look at her mama. Because that's what she's going to look like. In about 10 or 15 or 20 years, you take a good look. If you like mama's looks, go ahead. If you don't, run. How many know what I'm talking about? So he found Kelly, and she's got a wonderful-looking mama. Isn't that right, Tim? That's a good time to raise your hand, son. Yeah. Well, look at my wife up there and all that beauty. Tell you what, I looked at her mama and said, I got to have her. Yeah, Lord, blow me a kiss, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Mm, hit me right on the cheek. Listen to me now. Listen to the Holy Spirit. The fact is, your beliefs control your behavior. I've said it a thousand times. Whatever you truly believe is what you're going to live out. If you don't believe it, it won't last. You'll shortchange yourself. And you can say you do all day long, but the proof is in the pudding. You see, your beliefs, your beliefs do control your behavior. And if you want to change your actions, you have to change the way you think. And the way you think, you will feel differently when you change that. You'll work on your beliefs. And so you'll have to start believing that you can change. God, this is self-control, but I believe by faith that I can. And here it is. To say I can or to say I can't, both are right. Did you know that? There's no wrong answer. I can is right. I can't is right. Because you set yourself up. If you say, I can do it, you have a made up mind and chances you will do it. And if you say, I can't do it, my friend, I'm here to tell you, you probably won't. So you get to control, I can or I, I can't. Peter said, clear it up really quick. First Peter 4 verse 7, be clear minded and what? Self-controlled. Clear minded and self-controlled. So God says, God gave us the power to change our habits and gave us the power to choose our thoughts. And so Paul writes, here's a little help, Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed right there by the renewing of your mind. Well, and then he says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God is what? Faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, and you will be tempted, but when you are tempted, he also will provide a way so that you can stand under it. And if you're a Christian, you can never justifiably say temptation was too strong. I could not help myself. Well, that's interesting. You see, he didn't say you would never be tempted. Every one of you is tempted more times than we may care to admit. But Paul said in Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ, not self-will, through Christ who gives me strength. 
He goes on to say that all things are possible to those that do believe. So I can put myself in front of the mirror and I say, I'm getting control here. I'm, I'm in charge here. Here's number five. Make yourself accountable to someone. Well, what does that mean? That means you have someone that kind of check in on you. How are you doing with that weight loss program? Ah, how are you doing with that saving the money? So you can have enough money to go to school when you want to or, or buy you a house or whatever it is that you set up that you want to accomplish. How, how are you doing with that? And this is a person that's accountability person is not there to nag or to attack or to correct or tell you what you haven't done wrong. They're there to encourage you. Ecclesiastes 4.12, you might want to write this down in your phone. Two people can resist an attack Two. Two can resist an attack that would defeat one man alone. One man alone. Alcoholic Anonymous calls that the buddy system. So Paul says in Galatians 2, living, share each other's problems and obey our Lord's command. That buddy comes and helps and encourages and assists. And sometimes when you're down, they encourage you and then they have to repaint the image that you are desiring to have, repaint it for you to see it afresh and anew again, you see. And when you fall back and make mistakes, and you will, you say, thank you for reminding me. Number six, avoid the things that tempt you. How many are ever tempted by ice cream? Right? Y'all moving slow. Okay, I know, I know what time it is. I have a clock right here. Sometimes I don't pay any attention to it, and I'm tempted right now. <laughs> How many are tempted by good hot French fries? Oh, yeah. Come on, help me out. Um, How many are tempted by fruit? How many are tempted with the love of money? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How many are tempted to stay home from church? I am. Every time I do, the devil, why should I get up and go to church? Well... You're the pastor. <laughs> Move on out, buddy. You see, avoid the things that tempt you. Stay away from situations that weaken your self-control. If you're a drinker, an alcoholic, stay out of the bar. Hello? And stay out of the alcohol segment of the coolers and the 7-Eleven. You know? And, and if you don't want to get stung, stay away from the beehive. Hello? And if you know you're going to be in an area that's has the potential to tempt you. Plan in advance what your move is going to be when the temptation arrives. And, and, and if you're on a diet, get rid of the candy and the brownies and the cupcakes and the ice cream and the steak and the baked potato and the sour cream and the butter and the salad with blue cheese dressing and the cornbread and the mashed potatoes and gravy. 
Y'all take the veggie plate. Which would you like? Collard greens, cabbage, carrots, and fried okra. No. No. How many got the point? It's good. But there are some people that you have to stay away from. Those people that discourage you from setting a goal. Those people that practice your bad habit. You have to learn to stay away from them during this journey of gaining self-control. Paul writes 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Bad company corrupts good character. I had a person tell me not long ago, I quit smoking, Pastor. Well, why'd you quit smoking? He says, it's bad for you. Started when I was just a kid. He said, everybody in my family smoked. Well, how did you conquer it? He said, well, the Lord. But he said, I, I wet my matches. And I'm my, you know, I'm thinking on my feet, and I'm ashamed to tell you, but I thought, get your cigarette lighter. But then I'm, I'm going to help him quit. I'm not trying to say here's an alternative to wet matches. He said, I wet my matches. Yeah. Well, how does that work? He said, I'd reach for a cigarette. And he said, I'd put it in my mouth, knowing I shouldn't have it. And I'd reach in my matches. And he said, you know how long, how long it takes to find a match that'll light after you wet them? He said, by the time I found one that would even flicker, he said, I, I reminded myself I'm supposed to be quitting. I'd take a cigarette out, throw it down, and rub it out with my foot. He said, that's how... That's how I quit. Well, you know what? It really is a process, isn't it? Isn't it? Let me give you the story of the frog and the toad. You heard that story about Arnold LaBelle? The toad baked some cookies. He said, these cookies are really good. They smell good. And when they were done, he took them out of the oven and he ate a couple. And he said, wow, these are better than I thought. He ran down the frog's house. And he said, frog, I want you to know in this bowl, I've got some of the best chocolate chip cookies that you have ever tasted. Frog ate one, frog ate another, and toad grabbed another, and they ate four or five. Their mouth is full. And finally, frog said, I think we need to stop eating. If we keep eating, we're going to be sick. And Toad said, you're right. So let's have one last cookie together, and then we'll stop. They had one last cookie. Still, the bowl has a lot of cookies there. Frog said to Toad, I'll tell you what, uh, I'm, I'm going to help us here. He got a box. He closed the box up, put all the cookies in there, and he said, there, that, that will do it. And, uh, and, and so Toad said, well, I can open the box. He said, yeah, you're right. And so, so Frog took a string out and wrapped the box up. And he said, there. And Toad said, well, I can open the box. I can cut the string. And Frog said, we need willpower. We need willpower. Well, Toad asked, well, what is willpower? He said, willpower is trying hard not to do something you really want. Now, listen to me, Toad. I have closed the box. I put a string on it. And that ought to be it. That ought to be it. And Toad said, 
well, it needs to be out of our reach. A frog took up the ladder, put it on top shelf, out of reach. Toad went over the ladder and began to climb it. Frog said, what are you doing? He said, it's not out of reach. I can reach it with this ladder. He said, bring it down and give me the box. Well, Frog took the box and took it outside, opened it up. To the top of his voice, he screamed, birds, come get dessert. Birds came from everywhere. They picked up a cookie and flew off with it until there are no cookies in the bowl whatsoever, not even one. Frog said, look at that. Toad said, look at what? There's no cookies in the bowl. Frog said, that's right, but notice this. We have volumes of willpower now. Toad said, you can keep your willpower, frog. I'm going to go home and bake me a chocolate fudge cake, and I'll be back in a couple of hours. Now, what's the story? The story is simple. You don't need to go out and feed the birds. But what you do need to do is to admit you have a problem, put the past behind you, talk back to your feelings, believe you can change, make yourself accountable, and then avoid things. Get rid of the cookies, avoid things, and avoid people that tempt you. Finally, number seven, somebody say amen. Here we go. Depend on Christ's power to help you. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. If you depend on willpower, you will know. If you depend on willpower, you, you already know how you're going to fall usually. You failed. Somebody said, I want you to know by willpower I lost 50 pounds. That was a year ago, and I've gained all of it back plus 10. You ate too many cookies. Paul writes in Galatians 5.16, let the Spirit direct your life and you will not satisfy the desires of sinful nature. So you let the Spirit direct you. Now, Christianity and the culture, we do that backwards. Here's how we do it. We say, when I get my life straightened out, I'll be back to church. And when I get my habits straightened out, I'll come back to victory and worship. And when I get, I get everything out of my spirit, I'll, then I'll, I'll come back. And then we say, hey, I'm not, I'm not worthy enough for God to direct my path. I'm unsavable. I have made the same mistake so many times. I've lied to God, told him that I wouldn't, but I have. And there's no way he's going to, to want me. Well, you know, my friend, remember this, that the church is a hospital for sinners and people that have challenges, not a hotel for saints. So here's what we do. We bring all of our stuff and we put it at the feet of Jesus. And then we put it at the feet of Jesus again. And if we fail, we put it at the feet of Jesus again. And if we fail and we run several months and we're back, put it at the feet of Jesus again. You know, that, that type of system said, I'm really sick. I know that I am. You know, I'm really, really sick, but I'm going to wait till I get better before I go to the doctor. 
And when you say, I'm really sick, I've got bad habits, but I want to get it all under control before I go to church. You know what God is saying? Hey, bring all your burdens, all your weaknesses, all your sin, all your offenses. Bring your foul mouth, your nasty attitude, your anger. Bring it all to me. And let my spirit, let my spirit direct your path. If you do that, what will happen is you'll begin to feel spirit-anointed change. Philippians 2.13, for God is at work within you, helping you to want to obey him and then helping you do what he wants. And you know what it's like to have self-control? You say, I'm in good shape. You have confidence. Buddy, I've made it for a month here. Hadn't smoked one cigarette, not one weed. Hadn't, sm- hadn't chewed. I don't remember how I, I don't even carry the back tobacco with me anymore. I, I'm, I'm doing good. That brings confidence. Here's another. It brings the feeling of success. No lasting achievement is without self-discipline or pain. Yesterday, the Kentucky Derby rain and the, ran and the small horse won. You know what they said about the small horse? They said he had a heart bigger than his body. The jockey said, I turn him. What are you doing watching the Kentucky Derby? I'm checking up on the devil. (laughs) Now you're wondering, do you have any money? No, I don't have any money. If I had money, would you put it on a horse? No. I just hope the owner of the horse tithes. The smallest horse. This is the big race. The jockey said, I knew that he wanted to run in the last race. This time, I let him go. And he won. You know what? God has confidence in us. He desires for us to be the person that we want to be in him. And then finally, he gives us freedom. And when he gives us freedom, everyone who commits sin becomes a slave to sin. And we say, I I know I've got this hang-up, that hang-up, that challenge. But when you let the Lord Jesus through his spirit direct you, and when you let him take control, and you say, God, boy, I blew it again. Said I wasn't going to do it, but I did. And the Lord says, come on in. You're going to walk, boy. Stand up. It'll come to pass. And it always does when we stay with him. Amen? Would you stand on your feet and put your hands together and let's thank God for this word today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I know you got a million different thoughts. You say, well, how do you deal with that? There's a whole lot more that that we could say, but we're going to leave it to you. You can preach after you've heard the message. You can preach it to yourself. Get in front of the mirror or just take your cell phone out. Put it on you. You can, you can preach to yourself. We all know what we need. We all know what we need to correct. Amen? Okay? If you follow these steps, you can review them. They're online. This message is posted. Well, then you, you can get the help you need. 
But here's what we do know. We need God's spirit to direct us. And we need someone to encourage us. That's the way it is. If you have something in your own life and you say, I need to give it up. Well, God's been waiting on you. He's been waiting till the here and now, right now, and saying, hey, let's deal with it now. Bring it, bring it to me. Bring it to me. Remember the, the scripture in Ecclesiastes that said, hey, it's harder to break down the strength of two. One can be overcome, but not two. That's what we do. I'm going to ask you to let's pray and repeat this prayer. Here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me. I've made mistakes. I've been stubborn. I've not followed your will. I have put up with me. But today, I am releasing my heart for your control. Take over my mind. Be my spiritual guide. And cleanse my heart for your honor and your glory. Here I am, Lord. Do what you choose to do with me. And I'll give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you need prayer, these workers are here. We are anxious to pray for you. Those of you that are online, text us, email us. We'd be delighted to pray for you. Don't forget, you say, I've got a prayer need. Wednesday night, write it on a prayer card. Turn it in before you leave or email it to us or text it to us. However, get it to us. We're going to pray for it Wednesday night. If you need prayer now, you slip down to the front. We're going to continue to worship and enjoy the blessings of the Lord. God bless you, everybody. Thank you for being here.